listening to the Leadership Woman podcast with me, Jill Savile. And today we have my good friend, Dr. Keith Amos, who for the last five years has been a career coach in Luxembourg. So five years been independent. And prior to that, he was in the public sector. So I'm sure you're going to hear all about that. So welcome, Keith. Thank you, Jill. Thank you. They'll all be switching off now, thinking public sector. How boring <laughs> can that be? Well, I don't think it's boring. But then again, I was public sector. Exactly. So. <laughs> we know, don't we, Jill? We know. We do. We do know. So I uh, thank you so much for coming on. Um, and I was just saying before we started that I'm sure there'll be things that you're going to say. And I think, well, I never knew that. I've known him for a while. Ah, so We all have that, don't we? We all have certain things which are, are more obvious and other things which are sort of hidden in the dark recesses. Oh, are we going to hear some <laughs> No, I don't think so. <laughs> well, well, we'll see. We'll see. So maybe then, Keith, um, let's begin, because I believe you were born in the UK like I was. Mm. So let's yeah, yeah. Do you want a quick potted history? Yeah, yeah. So a Londoner, born in London, born in Lewisham Hospital uh, a, a number of years ago. Obviously, I won't tell you the date of birth because that would be too revealing. But it was, you know, I think Victoria was still on the throne. <laughs> Um, so uh, my parents moved down to a place called Aldermaston, which is where in those days um, the Atomic Weapons Research Establishment was. My father worked there as a civil servant. And I grew up, I went to, went to school in, in Basingstoke, if anybody knows Basingstoke in Hampshire. And then getting on to the more interesting parts, I suppose, I, uh, I went to work in the civil service. And I went to work in the civil service until I knew what I wanted to do. And I stayed there and I ended up basically in the civil service most of my most of my life in one form or another. So uh, I didn't really know what it was that I wanted to do, but I kind of had a feeling that human resources or in those days, as it was called personnel, was probably an area in which I'd be OK because I get to talk to lots of people and. And that didn't sound like too much hard work. So it ended up being an area that I did get involved in. I did my uh, institute, my um, IPM, Institute of Personnel Management, or CIPD, as it is called now, Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development. I did, th did those professional exams and ended up working in, in London at, in those days, Whitehall. And that was in the time of Thatcher and, uh, and, and big names. And I learned a heck of a lot, cut my teeth there. And then, again, to keep this relatively brief, I was very lucky to get the opportunity to go and work for the North Atlantic Treaty Organization as an HR officer working in Munich. So as you can imagine, it was very dull there, hardly any beer to drink, no, nothing going on. Uh, I spent four very happy years in, uh, five years actually, in, in Munich. Uh, Norway, Belgium, uh, NATO headquarters, and finally came here to Luxembourg and uh, finished my career here early. And in that time, I'd been involved in, in, as I say, HR and policy work. And anybody who's listening who's a human resources person, they know that mostly you're dealing with problems. People, people don't knock on the door and say, thanks so much for paying me. They tend to knock on the door and say, I have an issue and I'd like you to solve it, please. And the one area where you do actually get some feedback, nice, nice feedback is in training and development. And that's an area where I worked for a while in Brussels. And then 
I suddenly realized that was that was great. That was something where people actually say thank you. That was a great course. I really enjoyed that. Um, thanks for, for, for supporting. And again, that led one thing led to another. I, I left having had a successful career and branched out on my own as a career coach and a mentor. So I wonder if I can just take you back because I'm always curious to know uh, both, both you and I joined the civil service mm. until we discovered what we wanted to do. Mm. And I also remained there uh, my entire uh, mm. working career. So, mm. but what I found later was that actually it was a natural fit for me. Mm. That's probably why I stayed there. It wasn't that I was idle and didn't move. It was that it was a, a fit for me. So how did it feel for you? So when I first got there, I was very much out of sorts because the people were considerably older. Um, they didn't seem to have any fashion sense. They were quite straight laced. Their music tastes were very different to mine. So I felt very awkward there. And I thought that more the dynamic, younger, th uh, thrusting private sector would be more for me. But as the years went by, I realized that there's some huge talent was there and some really good people. And slowly but surely realized that I could do what I wanted to do within that huge organization. With you further forward now, sort of 40 years, all my time in the civil service, I don't know if you found this, Jill, but most of my time in there, I was told these things would never happen in the, pi in the private sector. You know, anyone who's, uh, uh, who's not that good, the private sector would get rid of them or you wouldn't have bad leaders, they wouldn't last. So now being out in the private sector, what I can tell you is that's total nonsense. There, there are bad leaders, there are, there are um, bullies, there are um, great teammates, there are wonderful uh, leaders and inspirational types in both private and public sector. They're yes, just people. I, I agree with you. And of course, uh, I believe I'm older than you. <laughs> um, I 50, remember... 50 what? <laughs> I remember when I got there, um, it was a job for life, in fact. Mm -hmm. And there were people who you looked around and thought, I'm not sure why, you, why you're still in a job. Mm. Uh, it, it was a bit like that. Mm. But as you said, there was also talent. And I think it was in the 80s that they started to make us compete. They started to make it so that, no, you, you didn't have a job for life. And um, you would be got rid of if you weren't any good, which mm. actually I, th I think was a good thing. Um, so <laughs> I love the fact that when you got there, everybody was older than you. And uh... they were, they were. <laughs> you know, when I, when I got there, I was so incompetent. Although, of course, as a, as a young student, you think you're brilliant. Oh, yeah. I was so incompetent, I could not work the telephone, which in those days you had a a, a telephone switchboard type affair, uh -huh. which meant that someone would ring and I would have to pick the phone up and say, yes, Mr. Smith is uh, free or he's not or whatever it was. And if he was free, I would have to put them through. And the number of people I cut off was <laughs> ridiculous. Um, and I just thought this is dumb. It's not really for me. But as I say, sooner or later, I managed to get the hang of it. Yes. Unconscious incompetence. <laughs> I, think. Yeah. I think that's where we both were, where we started. Okay, so coming back to Luxembourg, we, mm. we met in Luxembourg. And yeah. I don't know whether you were still working for NATO when, when I met Probably. you. Probably. Mm. Uh, yeah. 
Um, and, and I'm curious as to your journey then from mm. being employed mm. into having to find your own work. Because for me, it was a big change. Oh, thank you for that opportunity to, to, to say something about that, because I think a lot of people do face that dilemma. First, first of all, I was scared. Um, it's a big jump. If you've been used to one particular uh, style of work, shall we say, and you've been used to a big employer, and you've been a small cog within that employer for a long time, thinking of branching out on your own, which is what I wanted to do, I had the inspiration or the drive to do that, but I certainly had the fear coupled with it. Um, I think there was a, so many things to think about. There was tax, there was social security, there was website, there was, there was just so much, which when you're working with an employer, you don't have to think about those things. It's all taken care of for you. So luckily I found people who were prepared to, to mentor me and and say you know it's not that bad you can do it and i think that's that's really what uh, ultimately made it happen mm. yes finding finding a mentor somebody mm. who's gone before yeah preferably somebody who's not much further ahead from you otherwise mm -hmm. you can't relate to them um but also when you when you're salaried you are given work and when you're not you have that's to, true you have to find it that's and true developing that confidence to actually sell yourself, mm. I think is a, mm. a big step. Confidence is a huge step and you have to be so careful that you, there's a number of things. You're, you, you know, you're a, a coach, uh, Jill, established, well-established and, and renowned coach here. You know about the, the saboteur and the saboteur is that little gremlin that sits on all of our shoulders who pops out and tells us, from time to time where well, you can't do that. You're not, you're not up to it. You, you don't have the skills. You don't have the ability. And that really does dent your confidence, coupled with the fact that you're always worried about what other people may think. And um, it's easy to say, don't worry about it. You know, let them live their own lives and so on and so forth. But if you're human, it, or unless you're a politician who has the skin of a rhino, normal people, you do get affected by that. However, what sort of came to me some sort of later in life really was that the, the comments that really matter are the comments that come from people who care about you. I was talking to somebody yesterday who had been told something and I was trying to explain that it was for her whether she chose to believe it or not. You know, Somebody else's opinion of you does not have to be the reality, I think, as Paul Martinelli mm -hmm. said. And mm -hmm. so it is important who you listen to, isn't it? Which is what you were saying. It's not that you won't hear it. And um, the other thing is that if you look around at some of the, um, the people that do have thick skins, you take, for example, a comedian such as Ricky Gervais of The Office. Um, his view on, on things is you should always look at where the person who says that is coming from. You know, try to put yourself in their shoes for a minute and you'd understand why they were saying that because perhaps the difficulties or the hardships they're facing, the problems they're going through in their life has made them a little bit bitter. Absolutely. How long have you been independent now? Four or five years. Um, and why Luxembourg? Well, Luxembourg, as good as any. I, I mean, I love Luxembourg. I am a, now a Luxemburger. 
Um, we will not touch on the issue of Brexit, Jill, because that would that would lose us, or actually probably gain us a lot of, lot of listeners, to be truthful. But nonetheless, I, I, I wanted to stay within Europe. And I, I love this country. I think this country has been very good to me. And um, so, so I stayed here and took the, the various training courses that were necessary. So I did the Institute of Leadership and Management course in coaching. Uh, I did uh, co-active coaching, all, all good stuff, during which I had to unlearn an awful lot of what I had learned in the past. And in the past, the basic way you solve an issue is, is by telling the person what they need to do. And in coaching, as you well know, the, the, it's, it's the reverse of that. You need to listen. You spend a lot of time listening to them and that they come to the conclusion at the end of, of your time with them after you've asked them the right questions, the powerful questions that need to shake them. Uh, they, they come up with that eureka no, moment and know what they have to do. Mm. So that requires you to, to be quiet and listen. And that's a, not an easy thing to do if you've been, as I say, in some type of a role where you've been trying to fix things all the time. Yes, that's true. And I know you because you... You are also keen on volunteering, on serving, on giving your your time. Uh, so we were both on the uh, British Chamber of Commerce mm -hmm. People and Leadership Group. Mm. But I believe that you're on the International Coach Federation. Yeah, we have a Luxembourg wonderful uh, board meeting, in fact, tonight. And that's growing in Luxembourg, the, the, the International Coach Federation so I'm happy to be on, on the board with some really good people and hoping to put back something into the uh, community. Yes. I noticed that uh, somebody told me oh, Andrew Sheridan was mm -hmm. Andrew back. Andrew, top is the president. Uh, and Andrew and I served on the ICF board together when Look he was that. last in Luxembourg. So we're coming back small full world. circle. Yes, yeah, small mm. world. I've also seen you as more visible recently. I did. I did say that to you. I, I see you on LinkedIn a lot and this, that, and the other. And again, people who are trying to build up their own business may well want to be more visible. So is there a secret to this? It comes in waves. Um, social media is a difficult one for me because I'm, I, think, I think that there's a lot made of trying to spread yourself wide and far across social media. And I'm not sure you always have a message to to convey. To me, I'm quite simplistic in that Facebook for me, ultimately it's family, it's friends, it's lighthearted, it's social stuff. LinkedIn for me, quite serious. You, you can throw in some humor, but it needs to be business related. And when it comes to Instagram and, and all the other, the other ones, um, well, if you're not careful, you will spread yourself way too thin and you'll spend your entire time trying to come up with content rather than actually um, making a difference so I, I tend to limit it but LinkedIn definitely I'm, I'm a big fan you know there's there's all these artificial intelligent things which are going on in, in the background of, of all our social media and I'm no LinkedIn expert but a very simple one on LinkedIn is to is to see what are the top trending hashtags and at the moment things like hashtag management or hashtag human resources are trending so stick them in your post it helps mm. that's the sort of thing I would say Yes, and it's got to be up to date. I mean, particularly in career coaching, uh, anyone who doesn't have a good looking LinkedIn profile is missing a trick because employers 
nowadays, it, it's a touch of a couple of buttons. So when, when an application comes in and they think, hmm, this, uh, this person looks quite interesting for the post, they'll immediately just have a quick look on LinkedIn. And if your LinkedIn profile doesn't look very impressive in comparison with what might even be a wonderful CV and application, um, you, you put yourself at a disadvantage. Hmm. So I see, the, I see LinkedIn as a kind of a, an, a mirror image of your, of your CV, um, a little bit brighter and bolder perhaps, and there shouldn't be any contrast you shouldn't be seeing something in someone's LinkedIn and then look at their, their application for this job or their CV and say, well, that doesn't tie up. The dates are different. The position they held is different and so on. So, mm. yeah, I think, I think um, a good LinkedIn profile, very important. And you've gone, it's good for all of us to have our niche and your niche is as career coach. Career coach because there are a lot of general practitioners out there but when you go to a general practitioner and you have a problem with your ears, they'll send you to an ear, nose and throat specialist. No matter what your specialism in coaching, you have to be also a general practitioner. Coaching as such, one of the big messages in coaching is the presenting problem is not always the problem. And so when an individual comes and says, you know, I've, I want to leave, I want to change my job. You need that. I think that first half hour or so to, to really get behind that and see what is the issue here? Why, why are you unhappy? When it comes to being something specific and you realize, yes, it really is about the job. I don't like my boss. I need to move. I'm not getting promoted. Uh, I'm, I'm having problems with my colleagues, etc. Okay, fine. I can help you with that. Yes. And you're talking there about this mix uh, and it's not so well understood in the general world that we, most of us tend to mix coaching and mentoring, mentoring being something, if we've got some knowledge about, um, then we're happy to share it as long as people are clear we're not coaching at that, at that point. That's the difference. But you cannot do just one. I think you need, you'll end up doing, because of your life experience, and for you particularly, Jill, I'm sure, you will do a bit <laughs> of mentoring. Is that because I'm well, Yeah, <laughs> I know you're much younger than me, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for saying. Yes, we do tend to do. And, and actually, the hardest part about coaching, which, as you say, is really valuable and powerful, is if we sit there and think, oh, I know the answer to this. I have been there. And, and we need to sit there and let somebody find their own answer, so don't we? Hard. It is so hard. <laughs> it is hard. It is hard. Yeah. Okay, so... I know that you talked to me about three things and I thought, oh, that, that would be really great for people to hear your pearls of wisdom around that. Oh, yeah. I was very lucky to, to contribute towards a, a book, Mastering the Game of Life, created by a guy called Paul D. Lowe, um, who is, is a wonderful guy in the UK, doing a lot of great charity work. And he, he got a number of people together to contribute towards this book and just basically to, to share their inspirational stories. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody has this feeling, I'd like, to, I'd like to write a book or I'd like to write something. And the article that I wrote is, is Mentors, Medians and Minotaurs. And it's, it's just a take of mine on the three types of people that you meet during your life. Mm -hmm. And... The mentors, are, these, these are the loved ones. These are the, the people that are close to you, friends, family, and also can be strangers, but they're people who, who they have your interests at heart. They, for whatever reason, are supportive of you and help you. 
and they're wonderful people, but they're like shooting stars. They're not there forever. So when you have the opportunity to, to have somebody that will pass on their wisdom to you and, and take care of you and look after you and support you, grab it with both hands because they're not there forever. But, but mentors are fabulous. Then you have what I termed medians. And medians are the people who, uh, they don't dislike you. They might quite like you, but they don't have really strong feelings either way. Um, and they're on the fence, so to speak. They don't care if you do well. They don't care if you crush and burn, but they're there. They'll chip in now and again with a few choice remarks. So they're the sort of neutral people that you meet in life, the people who are a little bit further distance from you. But nonetheless, they may have some good things to say. And the last type is what I call the minotaurs. And when I was first starting my career, I, I learned this from someone, that during the course of your career, Keith, you will meet one, maybe two, and if you're really unlucky, three, people who for no apparent reason want to make your life a misery. And my goodness, that is so true. You will. Um, I did. And you don't know why they get fun and enjoyment out of this, but for whatever reason, the power play or the bullying tactics um, they bring into play. And that's the same at school. And it's the same when you're grown up and you're in the workplace, because the workplace is only the school playground with people wearing grown up clothes. So what, what am I saying? You will meet these minotaurs and they'll be fearful and you'll be put down by them and you'll be upset by them. And you, if you're not careful, you could even be broken by them. But you can also learn from them. And that was the purpose of really the, my, my chapter in this book was from all those people, you will learn something. Even if it's from your minotaurs, who, as you recall, were bullheaded beasts that lived in caves in Greek mythology. Even if it's only, that's what I do not want to be. That's not how I would like to treat other people. Even if it's that, you will learn something from these three types of people. Lessons for life. From, lessons from life. From all these people, you will learn something. I, I very often say that the people who led me the managers i had i learned more from the bad ones yep so yes we we can learn something for, from everyone mm. can't we mm, you can and the other key thing about this for anyone who's going through a time of uh, flocking or bullying or, or feeling really bad about themselves greatest piece of advice i ever had so damn simple but absolutely true it will pass so true uh, you're, you're going to have to explain to me what flocking is. Flocking is when, well, bullying is essentially the same thing. It, uh, bullying more often would be one person who takes a dislike to you or makes your life miserable. Whatever you produce is not good enough. Mm -hmm. Flocking is when a team somehow turns its attention against you. So oh, okay. you're the outsider amongst a group of people. Okay. So, so these are words of wisdom. That people can think about that. I wondered whether there was anything else that you wrote in your book or any other tip that you would like to leave people with today? I, it's, it's hard to, to, to really sum it up because there's, there's life still left to live. But I think one of the things that's really helped and what I've really enjoyed is don't turn down any opportunity. Um, things will come your way that are definitely well outside of your traditional comfort zone have a go yeah. i mean it, it, you'd be surprised how how much that can give you in terms of fulfillment 
um, why am I saying that? As an example, uh, I had the opportunity just recently to, to be an extra in an, in an advert. It only came about because I had a, a great contact who, who works in, in that sort of business. Now, that's something I could easily have turned down, but thought, well, what the hell? You know, let's have a go at this. Why not? Absolutely loved it. Enjoyed it. Something I'd never done before. So give those, give those things a chance. I'm not suggesting that you just want to get up and go paragliding or something. It's, but something within reason that may be a little bit stretching, a little bit difficult, a little bit out of your normal. Have a go. Mm. Just have a go. Don't turn down any opportunity. I, I was just thinking, oh, who do I know that's been an extra? And I think it's probably the person the you and I met. Yeah. <laughs> probably, yeah. His name shall not be mentioned. No, whose name shall not. <laughs> but, but I think that's lovely advice because the only way that we can grow is to get out of our comfort zone. So mm-hmm. if there's something that comes along, I can remember when I came to Luxembourg and I'd just started out and I was offered something and I thought, oh, no, I'm not ready for that yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was never offered it again. And uh, yep. so, so yes, recognize these things when, when they come. I, and I loved the thing that you said about when you're going through something, just remember it will, it will, mm, pass. It will pass. It will pass. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much. Thank you very much, Jill. For... No, it's been wonderful. And I enjoyed watching you running down the garden trying chasing after your husband and dog. That was <laughs> one of the highlights for me. You mean stopping the podcast and going in and telling them to shut up? <laughs> yeah, hopefully I'll edit that, that out. Um, so, yes, thank you for sharing your story and your experience. I mean, it's such a great guest. I'm sure people are going to be wondering who their mentors and mediums and minotaurs, minotaurs are. are. Mm. Yes, uh, I'm already thinking uh, who they are. If people want to get in touch with you, Keith, what's the best email? So it's, it's keithamos.com. That's my, my website. And it's K-E-I-T-H-A-M-O-S-S. So double S on the end. Keithamos.com. And you'll, you'll find me that way. Happy to, 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 to speak with anybody. Okay. That's lovely. <laughs> Thank you, Jill. So we'll Wish go you... and, yes, have a pleasant afternoon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Take care. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Can I just stop you there? Because much as I've told him that I'm recording, I've got just two seconds. Jill's dashed off now. Left me on my own. I think the dog's run off. Yeah, she's calling it back. It's down the field. You can see her running. Mm-hmm. She's whistling. Shouting. Beautifully trained dog. Oh, you get him back, Jill. <laughs> that was direct. Communication. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear, I'll have to apologise later. But anyway. uh, No, I love being on these professional podcasts, Jill. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry to cut you off, but 